0: Welcome to the Real Estate of Thrustle Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Monash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing, and today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from sunny Austin, Texas, Scott Smith. Welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Victor. Great
0: to uh, be here. Scott, you know, you took a little bit of a different path into real estate investing. You're an attorney based in Austin, Texas, you specialize in asset protection not necessarily the typical career path into investing. Why don't you give us a little bit of your backstory and how you decided to transition into investing?
1: Yeah. So I think probably like a lot of people, I, I fell in love with real estate investing with through rich dad, poor dad with Kiyosaki's work. And I bought my first property when I was in law school if you can believe that the um, it was during our second year, so it was it was a lot of work, but I was able to run that business. It was a transmission auto repair shop with a partner. We flipped the property after law school and I graduated from law school without any debt. I then became a litigation attorney, suing major insurance companies and pretty quickly found out that everybody does that work pretty much hates everything about their life and I said, I got to get out of here I'm going back to real estate. I left litigation and then when I started getting into uh, real estate here, local in Austin, come to find out that nobody had any idea about lawsuit protection, which is asset protection. And uh, so I started working with a few people here four years ago, then started setting up what we do for everybody, which is the series LLCs and land trust for anonymity and, and high levels of protection. Uh, for it. And, and since that time, I've, I've really grown my own portfolio into emote at any given time and into different states and every asset class for investing because I actually get to put a lot of money with my own clients, uh, which is pretty neat.
0: So you just mentioned that you're into multiple different asset classes. Why don't we dig into that a little deeper? What geographies, what asset classes, what's your criteria for making an investment decision?
1: Yeah, it's got to make money. It's usually the number one criteria I look for. But it really it really depends on a number of different factors the the first factor that I'm, I always look at is to say you know do I is this an asset class that I know or not personally like am I an expert in here if I'm not an expert then I always will partner with somebody that is an expert in that asset class you know if the numbers make sense right of course from there I look at once I can have a partnership with somebody there or I know I'm an expert enough to actually know that the asset is going to be you know a quality asset then we start looking at the tax implications in, in the holding structure, you know, tax implications are the, the way to make sure the government doesn't take our money. Um, and then we look at how do we actually hold the assets to ensure that you know lawsuit or something else that's you know ancillary to the actual asset performing doesn't somehow uh, rob our money as well. Uh, so that's my typical thought process.
0: Well, certainly as an asset protection attorney, I mean, you're aware we live uh, here in North America. United States in particular is the lawsuit capital of the world uh, with I think 94% of the world's lawsuits originate in the United States. How much of that is a concern for the entities themselves, the individuals? Uh, You know, there's so many different strategies in terms of how to create rings of protection. But if someone comes at you personally, how much will those layers of entities actually protect you?
1: Yeah. If they're done right, I mean, they'll protect you. Absolutely. Right. I mean, that's the whole reason uh, that there exists. The problem is, is a lot of people establish them and don't operate them correctly. Or what they think is, oh, my insurance is enough, right? That's probably the biggest fallacy that I I think I hear from people is that they'll say that, oh, I have insurance, so I'm going to be okay, when they don't understand really the limits of their insurance policy. Um, They don't understand that insurance only covers you from negligence claims, which are just simple accidents like slip and falls. They don't cover you from anything that actually has to do with a business transaction, like a breach of contract if a deal goes sideways, or somebody defrauds, you know. Or there's an allegation of fraud. So insurance actually is very essential. It protects us against eighty percent of the types of lawsuits that exist out in the world, but it doesn't protect us from the other, you know, twenty percent or so that a asset holding company like an LLC would protect you with. And that's a whole art form in itself too, about how do you do that efficiently? Because there's lots of different ideas out there of what you can do. But with the new technology that's existed over the last 20 years with the series LLC, combination with trust, you're able to take advantage of you know, leveraged type protections that keep everything streamlined and, and tidy for you that, that I personally think is the one definitive way that we should all be moving. I don't think there's really any room for any realistic debate on that front.
0: What was your first property when you were in law school? Tell us that story.
1: Yeah, it was a commercial property that we ended up buying and what we did was something that was really smart with this is that we took the property itself and we held it inside of an LLC structure. Instead of buying it with me and my partner and our personal names, it was an auto repair shop and transmission repair shop. So now we own the piece of real estate itself inside of one LLC. So me and my partner, we could get sued individually all day long and it doesn't matter because we don't own anything. We're just poor students. But our LLC, on the other hand, owns this piece of property. So that helped protect us there to run that business correctly. So, but then every day with, you know, transmission auto repairs, you can imagine that people are having disputes and sometimes these disputes can be really big. Like, so we had like $25,000 orders that we were processing as law students that were for like wiring harnesses for dump trucks, you know, which has to do with the transmission work. So those carry with a a lot of liability, right? Like what happens if one of those deals goes sideways? Remember, I mean, we bought this property for $20,000 total. So one lawsuit probably could pretty much wipe us out. So what we did is we established a separate LLC, referred to as an operating company. And, and that's where we ran all of our business transactions through. So we have one LLC that owns a piece of property and all the assets. And then we had a completely separate LLC that handled all of the business transactions. Um, so that way, if there was a lawsuit that somebody says, hey, you guys didn't do XYZ, you know, wiring harness right or, or whatever, right? They would end up suing like our operating company. They wouldn't end up suing to get to like our actual real estate and our hard assets and our cash reserves, et cetera. All of those were protected inside of a completely separate LLC, and that's the same type of structure that I actually use right now for all of the fifteen hundred plus real estate investors, you know, holding over you know one point two billion dollars in assets all over the United States. It all comes down to that fundamental principle of separating all of the operations of a business completely separate from all of the assets.
0: So phrased a little different way you're separating the assets from the liabilities cuz the operating business carries the most liability.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you'll have the asset holding company which will own everything, but it won't do anything, and then you have a separate, you know, operating company which will do everything, but it doesn't own anything.
0: Fascinating. And today the marketplace obviously has changed an awful lot since the days when you were in law school. Prices have come up dramatically. There's a people are paying crazy prices in today's marketplace. How are you sourcing opportunities that meet your criteria?
1: Uh, it's a lot of through relationships, right? So one of the cool things that I have, I have a monster network of people. So we have a whole internal deal network that we use for you know, helping pair people, deals with money and money with deals and whatnot that are all clients. But for me, that's actually where I find all of the deals that I get into is from the deal network that I built through my own company. But you don't have to start a company or have a company to be able to develop a deal network. I would recommend doing is is just trying to get involved with some paid memberships to kind of like exclusive networking. I found to be really um, powerful for me as well too. I mean, they're expensive, right? Like $10,000 a year to get involved with some of these groups. But I found it to be the one way that saves me a bunch of time from wasting time on Meeting people, a lot of times you have to kiss a lot of toads to be able to find somebody good. But as you climb up the ladder, right, you realize pretty quickly it's that you don't really have the time to waste on on kissing all those toads. And that's where paid memberships can be really powerful.
0: And there's a bunch of you know people
1: that have great networks for that.
0: Yeah, there certainly are. I understand exactly what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's great. You know, one of the things that. That I found is really good for working with deals too is, is also to have something that's new and different. So, we do a lot of work with series LLCs and trusts to be able to compartmentalize every asset and hold them anonymously, right? And that's a pretty unique piece for what real estate investors that are anywhere in the country can be using, no matter where, where the assets are. And so, like that's a unique piece of knowledge to be able to bring into a group that gets you access to the different groups and gives you something unique and different to talk about to kind of create like a little bit of magnetism. That's just what I do, right? But any of us could develop something that was similar to have just a unique piece that you get known for inside of those communities. And that doesn't even have to be your profession. It can just be something that you enjoy sharing about. And, and that's a great way to to build your, to your network up.
0: One of the things you said at the start of the conversation was you really partner with people that are good operators, because my experience there 's no such thing as a passive business uh, they 're all active businesses now you can make a passive investment in an active business and you can get mailbox money that way but for example you 're running your law practice you 're not managing properties you 're not managing transmission shops or any of that kind of stuff you 're focused on managing a portfolio. How do you select the right partners? How do you know that the right partners are the ones? that are going to deliver? Because at the end of the day, it all comes down to execution. And even a piece of real estate is an act of business.
1: It really comes down to the agreements you get into. One is, you know, do, who do they have like, that are in, in that deal that you actually know um, that you guys can do some collective vetting? How closely are you actually able to watch these guys? So one of the agreements that I'll go into is that I always have it as part of any of my agreements that I get to inspect all of the books within one, week, one week's notice. They have to produce for me all the financials. And I like being able to do that because I'll just spot check what's going on with different financial pieces and then see if that matches up with all of the disclosures they've been making and telling us along the way. The The reality of the situation too is that you need a team of investors that you work with over and over again once you get to a higher level because you don't really have a lot of time. So then you guys need to like, you have to mutually share the burden of what we do mine's a little my my situation might be a little bit different than most because all we do for royal legal solutions is real estate investing right for real estate investors all over the country and we're a one-stop shop for it which means i have in-house all of these tools of what we do for vetting everything for clients so i have a bench for me that i get to use but that's because it's the same bench i use for everybody else out there so that's kind of like a maybe an unfair advantage
0: Well, if you didn't have the law practice and you were focused on real estate investing full time, you would need that same bench, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But you would just be paying for it, right? Like you would hire like a a CPA and you would hire an attorney to be able to offload those pieces to you. And then you'd probably have your own private network of investors that you would work with. I recommend for most people is that they focus on one asset class because that's usually all the bandwidth most people have is to really get good at say like, you know, one to four unit properties. They try to shotgun into too many things. Like it doesn't work well. One thing that's helped me is because I own my own bench and this is all I get to do. Then it allows me to, to capitalize on better deals throughout the country just because I have the bandwidth for it. Right. And I actually get paid to learn all of the you know, the latest and greatest of what's going on with all these pieces, because that's what people will hire me to talk about and to speak about and to consult on.
0: So when you go into a particular market that maybe you haven't been into before, how do you perform due diligence on that market? What are the things you look for in the local market conditions to say this is a, an area where there's maybe a stream of investment, maybe an area that I want to be putting that boots on the ground infrastructure and investing for the longer term?
1: Yeah. So most of the time I'm looking at jobs you know, is this place growing in jobs? I mean, it's jobs, jobs, jobs all the time. I won't go someplace unless it has, you know, the job growth is coming and people are actually moving to town because that's just a, the basic, you know, economics. From there, I'll also only go into an area if I have somebody already that is going to be an expert in that area that's going to be the boots on the ground. That's not just a worker. It needs to be somebody that has to be able to come into the deal that says, I'm going to actually be the executor of, you know, 95 to 99% of everything that's going to go on here and I'm going to have money tied in this deal. Deals that I'll never do is where people will come into me and say, "Well, if it's something I that's out of my control and they also don't have any money in it." So they get like a, you know, 30% you know general partnership take for for just putting the deal together. I'll never do those anymore. Just because I find that with those types of deals that there's not enough risk on their end of losing money to make sure that they're really going to um, pull it out. And ideally, uh, going into that type of deal, I want it to be enough money that that person has at risk that it's actually like a decent percentage of their entire net worth, right? I mean, it's really different. Like, you know, $100,000, it's a lot of money, right? But it's not a lot of money to the lot of guys I work with and that they could be like, eh, I lost a hundred grand on that deal. No big deal, right? That's not who I really want to partner with if they're going to be the person that's in control of making sure that that deal runs right. I want the guy who's like, can't lose the hundred thousand dollars. So he is like doing everything in his power to make sure that this deal has to go through right.
0: So Scott, you've emphasized an awful lot in today's discussion, um, the structure, uh, lawsuit protection. And, you know, there's no shortage of investors out there that can speak to, you know, the investment side. So let's let's focus a little bit more on some of the things that you've seen in your role as an attorney. Uh, what are some of the things that we should be watching out for? Maybe you have some stories.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This is actually a story that's about how uh, my client that is using a series LLC structure got an $80,000 lawsuit dropped. And it was one that that I actually represented her on. What's more interesting about this is that that she's a super honest, nice person, you know, like never would harm a fly in her life, you know? And ends up being in a situation uh, where she's facing a major lawsuit for fraud. And, and it all happened just because of some emails that got sent back and forth. What happened was that the buyer ended up asking her, What plumbing did you replace underneath the house? And her response email was all the plumbing has been replaced. So what ends up happening is that, you know, six months down the road There's a leak in some of the plumbing that's in the upstairs bathroom while they're on vacation and costs $80,000 worth of damages, right? So then the buyer's like, holy smokes, you know, I got $8,000 worth of damages. And you told me all the plumbing was replaced. And my client says, no, no, no. You asked me what plumbing underneath the house was replaced. All the plumbing underneath the house is what I was referring to. Well, this is what you call a misunderstanding, right? And the legal world, what we call that is fraud because we don't know whether what one person said was deceiving or not deceiving. So that becomes a question that eight random people get to get put into a box to make a decision about what actually occurred there. And that's actually where our current status of our legal system is. And so if you don't like that, what you end up having to use is legal structures that we had in her case, which was a series LLC structure, that it got the lawsuit dismissed because after the time of the sale, we had already distributed all the funds out of the series. And so there was nothing there to sue against. It was just an empty entity just like if it was a traditional, you know, one-off single purpose LLC, right? So there's nothing there to sue against. So even if they won the lawsuit, they would have got nothing out of it. So they just discontinued the whole thing. But those stories aren't uncommon, right? If you have the right legal structure in place, what you'll find is that people will, with like a series LLC, which really reduces the amount of assets that are held in any individual series down to one single asset, you find that lawsuits just get dropped because... The will for somebody to come after you and to try to fight through all these layers of protections that you can create very efficiently with this modern technology with the series LLC makes it where people are saying, Well, I don't wanna I don't wanna do that lawsuit. I'll just take the next lawsuit. Because eventually at the end of the day, that's what attorneys are doing, right? They're selecting lawsuits based upon what's the easy money they can get. And if you make yourself, you know, an unattractive target, you know, all of a sudden you find yourself people not very anxious to sue you.
0: You know, that very powerful lessons in that particular story because I'm sure many of the listeners can visualize a misunderstanding that's occurred by email. I mean, I'm thinking about several that have occurred even in the last month. And what you said was a misunderstanding flipped on the other side can also be called fraud. And that's that's actually a very scary thought when you think about it.
1: Well, yeah, what's even scarier is that when people that will come to us and say, hey, you know, before they heard about us, they say, hey, well, you know, I've I got like eight properties and I've been managing all of these myself and they're all in my personal name. So I was like, holy smokes, man, that actually means that if you ever sent an email that had a misunderstanding at any time in your property management, any of your unrelated business activities, if you ever got into a car accident that exceeded the limits of liability of your insurance policy, any of those things exposes you to be completely wiped out. For all of your assets, right, and that, like, just a simple email is enough to do that. I personally know um, one investor that eventually became a client that had, you know, lost over three million dollars from a single lawsuit, and he had insurance, and he thought his insurance was enough. And you know, it's from similar types of 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 circumstances. You know, we we typically assume that only bad things happen. Uh, You have to be dishonest or something like that to get sued and to have and to lose. Uh, And when the reality is, is that really good people get sued and lose every single day. I mean, so much so that over you know here in the United States, over a 20-year period, as a real estate investor, you have a 95% chance of being on on the wrong side of a major lawsuit. Um, So the question's really become about saying, we don't know when it's going to happen, but it's almost guaranteed to happen. And then what position do you want to be in when it does happen?
0: Fascinating and sobering at the same time.
1: Yeah, it's sobering, but you don't have to live in a world where you have this much risk. You're able to live in a world with with just a few simple things put in place. And you're not talking, you know, $10,000 plus to put this in place. You're talking a lot less than that. You can put things in place that says, hey, you know, I I can hold all of my assets inside of a, a company structure, like a series LLC. I can make it anonymous by using trust so people can't find out what I own or what my company owns. Hopefully nothing happens, right? Or if something does happen, hopefully it's small and my insurance company will step in to cover it. And if something really catastrophic happens and my insurance company denies coverage, if they deny coverage for any reason, then I have this company structure to fall back on that says that I lose little to nothing. And that's the world I choose to live in, is one that I want to have a lot of control over, making sure that you know, random things can't happen to my life that cause me catastrophic damage. Especially when I can be like, okay, cool, that's an easy one to solve. I'll just get some insurance. And that's essentially what asset protection and liability protection through company structures is. It's, it's insurance against lawsuits.
0: Well, I can imagine a number of listeners are thinking to themselves, when am I going to get Scott's phone number? So if <laughs> folks want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to reach you?
1: well we have a ton of great information um, on our website it's the royallegalsolutions.com website i encourage everybody to to jump over there and, and check that out we have free ebooks and all kinds of free information you know you also can give us a call at 512 757 3994 you could email me directly at scott scott at Royal Legal solutions Uh, We also have a special link for you, Victor, and for all the listeners. That'll be the royallegalsolutions.com slash espresso. And what that's going to have, it's going to have a uh, lottery drawing um, for all of your listeners that come uh, come over. Uh, We'll have a set period of time there. So everybody come, you know, jump in immediately. We're going to cap it at two-week period. And we're going to raffle off a, a series LLC as well as a number of other items um, that'll be you know, five to $10,000 in total value of all of these different legal building blocks that we use for investors. So it's a great way to come in and get some really high quality, really valuable things that, that everybody should be using.
0: Thank you for doing that. So royallegalsolutions.com slash espresso for lots of freebies and a chance to win a package of some great legal tools.
1: It's uh, it's pretty exciting. And we have all that information up on our website. Um, if anybody wants to give us a call, we're happy to talk to you uh, for free to give you some basic info and, and give you, you know, whatever we can to help you get educated. We give everything away for information purposes all for free. So we don't hide anything behind um, any types of paywalls or anything like that.
0: Oh, I love it. Well, Scott, great to reconnect. And for the listeners at home, definitely check out com. Reach out to, to Scott if you've got any questions. And in the meantime, have a great rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow.